And this morning I would ask you to follow me as close as possible as we continue to deal with this topic, compromise. I'd like to continue with the introduction again to this topic as we started this last week, a series on compromise. Church compromising its values with the world. Now, since the inception of the church, or since Jesus Christ spoke to Peter saying that, I will build my church and gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan has been very particular to destroy the church. In the last week, we talked about some of Satan's strategies that he deployed over the period of time in the history to destroy the church. We also reasoned why church compromise or why this topic is so important. Or in other words, why do you think, why do we think churches are compromising today? And we found out quite a few reasons for that question. Churches may compromise maybe because they are trying to satisfy the personal desires. Churches may compromise maybe to avoid conflicts. Churches may compromise basically just to increase the number of the membership. They may even avoid, may compromise to avoid taking any risky decisions in the life of the church. They may even compromise to avoid threats and persecution. Or sometimes even churches may compromise to gain popularity, gain fame and name. For some reason, churches are compromising with the world. We also talked about the urgency and the importance of this topic. One such reason which I talked about last week, why this topic is equally important or more important like any other area that we are involved with, maybe a missionary movement or evangelism. This topic is very, very important to be preached in the churches today. The reason is in the mission fields, the souls are perishing, not knowing Jesus Christ. But in Christian nations where the churches are compromising to the world, the souls are perishing, knowing Jesus Christ. If it is true that people are dying not knowing Christ and going into the eternal hell, it is also true that people are dying knowing Christ and getting into the eternal hell. The only reason I could think for this is basically the proliferation of churches and Christianity that are already compromised with the world. Now I just want to bring that seriousness into this topic this morning. Now the original root term for the church in Greek is ecclesia, which means called out. But today, churches lost its original meaning as they are no more called out, instead they are called in. They defy the original meaning of the church itself. Because Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, Word of God says, the scripture very well known to us, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, or the King James put it as his own peculiar people. 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church is the one who is called out of darkness into the marvelous light. So it is important to deal with this topic because when churches compromise with the world, they are no more called out of the world. They are into the world. They are in the world. Last week we also talked about corruption came into the church. Our church started compromising with the world, with its surroundings, even in the very early stage. The compromise that is going on in today's churches, it has not happened all of a sudden. It has been the trend of Christianity right from the day one when churches started because Jesus spoke about it in his preachings. Paul wrote about this in his epistles. He spoke about it and he said such a day is yet to come. Such a day is going to come very soon or it is already there. Now that's what we are experiencing today in our churches. Last week we spent a good amount of time on it. John writes about this in the book of Revelation as he addressed to the church of Pergamos. Church of Pergamos is called a compromised church. We are going to talk about this today in detail. And also history records this as Constantine married church with the world. Constantine brought the world into church and he made the world to be a Christian religion to rule over the nation. So churches have already compromised the system. Since symptom of compromise has been there all along during the throughout the history of the church. As a continuation of the introduction to this topic, today we are going to deal with one of John's writings to one of the seven churches as he was addressing to the church of Pergamos in the book of Revelation. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2, verses 7, 12 to 17. Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. Here, word of God says, as John writes this letter to the church of Pergamos he says and to the angel of the church in Pergamum or Pergamos right John was always addressing his letters seven letters to the angel the angel also refers to the the, the pastor who is in charge of those churches in Pergamos right these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword and he says I know your works so as you understand this situation, this background, Jesus Christ was standing in the middle of all the seven churches in Asia Minor. And as Jesus was looking into those churches, uh, he asked John to write the letter to all the seven churches and to send out the letter to all the seven churches. And he says, I know your work. Jesus says, I know your works. And where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Verse 15 Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans which I think I hate. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. You know, that's what the Word of God says. And the church of Pergamos was called the Compromised Church. Let's talk about, let's try to understand the surroundings of that city or the church. Pergamos was the capital city of the Roman government in Asia for almost 400 long years. Pergamos is the feminine form of the name. Pergamum is the neuter form of the name. This city was different from other cities as Word of God talks about the city of Ephesus and city of Smyrna and all the other seven cities. City of Pergamum was certainly a different city. On a clear day, from the top of the hill where the city is located, one can see the clear Mediterranean Sea spread across. Unlike Ephesus and Smyrna, Pergamum was not a port city. Pergamum was little inside the, inside the land. It was around 16 miles away inside the land from the Aegean Sea. Two miles north of Caicos River in the south of Mysia. You know, much of Pergamum was built on a large conical hill. It is about 1165 feet above the main level is what the city of Pergamum was built. Today if you look at the map, if you look at the Turkey, map of Turkey you see the town of Bergama. Is around 55,000 people are living there in the city of Pergama currently. So that's where the city of Pergama was built on the ruins of the city of Pergamum, as the word of God says. And now, beyond all the cities in the Asia Minor, the city of Pergamum gives the travelers an impression of a royal city. It was considered as a royal city, the home of authority. The rock hill on which the city stands, it looks like it dominates a broader plain it is seen around that city. It is so boldly standing in the midst of the broader plain and one side you see the Mediterranean Sea. It's such an awesome city which was built over the hill. The library in Pergamum was one of the huge libraries around that time. In fact, it was the second largest to the biggest library in Alexandria. City of Pergamum was known for its architectural and beautiful temples built in that city for various gods and goddesses. The Apostle John, who wrote the letter to the Christians who were living in such a city of Pergamum. You know, John also gives the city of Pergamum with a kind of, you know, unusual designation. He says in verse 13 of Revelation chapter 2, he says, I know, in fact, Jesus says, I know where you live. I know the city you are living in, where Satan has his throne. Can you imagine a city where Satan is living together with the church? The city of Pergamum was a city, it was hosting Satan there in that city. And he says, yet you remain true to my name. 
You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. You know, I want us to understand this morning the kind of situation the people of Pergamum were living in. Why did John refer the city of Pergamum as the place where Satan lived? What would it have been like for a believer to live in a city which is described as Satan's hometown, as Satan's throne? Pergamos was a place of Satanic strongholds. There were different deities, gods and goddesses. They were representatives of Satan. Just want to quickly give few reasons why Satanic strongholds was so deep, so strong in the city of Pergamum. Number one, Dionysus. Dionysus was considered as the son of Zeus. You know, according to the ancient Greek world, Dionysus offered his followers life. And even he says that he can offer eternal life by indulgence with raw meat and wine. You know, according to the teaching of Dionysus' cult, the followers who drink excessive wine and they intoxicate themselves with such a drink. Dionysus worshippers would gather together around the altar. They gorge on raw meat and drink excessive amount of wine. During the festivals, the women of the city of Pergamum, as they worship the god of Dionysus, they worship him by screaming and dancing, consuming excessive alcohol and committing sexual immoralities. The women, they used to scream around and run all over the temple of Dionysus. Even in fact, the Roman government considered such a worship as illegal because the immorality was so high, so deep. Such a god of worship was located in the city of Pergamos. Number two, Asclepius. The God of healing. You know, when the people of Pergamum, they were in need of healing, they went to the temple of Asclepius, the snake God of healing. Now, even today you see that snake God of healing, if you carefully observe a doctor's car, he has an emblem saying that a snake rolling around a stick, it is none other than the logo of the God of Asclepius. It was considered as a you know, Greek God of healing. People were taken into the underground treatment rooms in the temple of God of Asclepius and there they were treated. They were in fact intoxicated and they were put into in a sleep. And it was believed that Asclepius will come in the dream and tell them a treatment plan and as the patients convey the treatment plan to the priest over there and they will start treating them and eventually healing took place. Number three, Demeter, goddess of grain. The shrine of Demeters, the goddess of grain, was supposed to provide food. And it was a popular goddess among the people of Pergamum. She also was said that she can for even forgive sins. It was a belief that she can forgive sins by allowing people to be immersed in the blood of bull. You know, you can see such a deception going on at the city of Pergamum. Number four. Roman Emperor himself, Caesar Augustus. In fact, Pergamum was the first city to establish emperor worship. People worshipped the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus at the temple, Athena temple. 
They not only declared him as divine, they were also declared him as God and king and they worshipped him. Satanic deceptions were going around the city. You know, as today we see in the culture, today Satan wanted people of Pergamum to lose sight on God and his power and to focus more on the false gods and goddesses. The reason why we study the city of Pergamum in detail is that it is the church today. It is almost the same status today the churches are in. As the church of Pergamos was kind of called as a compromised church with its surroundings. It is better to understand today that we are living in an environment that is not totally different from the people of God living in the city of Pergamum. Even today in our culture, people intoxicate themselves and they involve in sexual immorality. There are various healing mechanisms practiced even today, such as medium and spiritism, they are practiced today everywhere. Spiritualistic medium, healer and teacher and counselor, they are available throughout the city, even today in our cities where we live. You know, even people have identified alternative mechanisms for forgiveness of sins that's being promoted today. Human has been exalted like any other time. Human has been exalted beyond limit. And they are followed very closely. And they are even worshipped. As people start seeing supernatural manifestations in people and in their lives. We are living in a time which is not at all different from the time of the city of Pergamos as John was addressing in his letters. Let us look at the diagnosis which is provided to this church. It is a fourfold diagnosis is what is provided to the church of Pergamos. Three things are good and one thing is really bad. Imagine when we go to a doctor as he or she gives us the diagnosis of our blood work. The doctor looks at the report and he tells us three good things about our body condition. The three, three, three good things are less critical. And he also looked at the report, looks at the report and he tells us one bad thing that is life-threatening. That is life-threatening. And obviously we cannot rejoice over the three good things, but instead we get carried away with that one bad thing which the doctor told us, which is really life-threatening to the church of Pergamum. The Lord is going to say three things which are good about it, but one thing which is life-threatening. Let's read that verse again, 13. I know your works. And where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Lord God was telling three good things. One, he says, I know the circumstances of your faith. I know the circumstances of your faith. I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, where Satan dwells. You know, in some of our families, in our culture today, you know, we can witness that. Satanic influence is so high in our workplaces. Satanic influences is so high in our societies. You know, we would have seen in the days of you know, in Halloween days or in some other days, you know, what's going on in our workplaces. 
satanic influence is so high so heavy in today in our living the spirit of god is looking at us and telling us i know the circumstances of your faith and in the midst of all these things i know that you are still trying to be faithful you know that's a word of encouragement i believe that in the midst of all the circumstances the satanic activities going on in this world you are still trying to be faithful one good thing that spirit of god spoke to the church of pergamum number two he says i know the conviction of your faith you hold fast my name you hold fast my name i'm sure that you are totally convicted that you want to live godly you are giving your life to god i know about it number 3 i know the courage of your faith i know the courage of your faith you know if you search in the history for antipas we don't really get anything all that we know is what word of god says in few words here antipas was a martyr antipas anti means against pas means all so he stood against all the opposition that he encountered and he died as a faithful martyr that's all we know about him so god was telling them i know your conviction and i know your courage let's read verses 14 and 15 God is about to tell the fourth thing which was bad about the church but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things which were offered to idols and to commit sexual immorality thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans which things I hate you know what god wants them to be god wanted them to be faithful to god yes they were faithful to god and god wanted them to have conviction in their faith they had the conviction and they even had courage but now god is telling them you have something within you which i hate which i hate you know in each of these churches if you read the book of revelation the beginning few chapters satan had different strategies for each church the church of ephesus satan tried to destroy the church of ephesus by drawing them out of god from away from god if you remember god was telling them you lost your first love satan deployed a different strategy in the for the church of smyrna satan afflicted the people over there and he sent persecution to the church satan had a different strategy now satan had another strategy for the church of pergamum satan made people to follow the doctrine of balaam they were doing good they had such a huge faith in god but then satan put another strategy there he made them to follow the doctrine of Balaam you know satan knows our weaknesses and he comes out with a custom strategy to destroy the churches today he customizes a strategy based on our weaknesses and the time when we are living and he brings that strategy to each church to destroy and we may wonder why do we fall into the same thing over and over again why such things are coming and hitting my life over and over again it's all because satan's satan's strategy to destroy us and to destroy the church today he ensures the membership the members of the church members of his agent present in the church today to destroy god's work 
He keeps, he brings them as a stumbling block in the ministry. He makes sure that his Satan's members or representatives are there sent out equally to all the churches. If you look at some of the big churches, Satan's members are there in the worship team. Satan's agents are there in the children ministry. His agents are there in the outreach ministry. In every area of the church, Satan ensures he has his representative. If the church or ministry fails to identify Satan's representative and cast him out, it will be taken towards a collapse. Because he is a destroyer of child of God, children of God and the churches. Now listen what Paul says in Romans chapter 16 verses 17 to 18. In the same context, Paul is writing to Romans, the church in Roman, Rome, he is writing in chapter 16 verses 17 to 18. I would like to read the scripture for you. Romans 16 verses 17 and 18. Paul says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Paul was warning to the church, and he's saying that he's urging them, you take note of such individuals who cause divisions and offenses, and they are standing against contrary to the doctrine that you teach, that you have learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. You know what Paul is writing there? He is telling them very clearly, do not keep them inside, avoid them. Either you go away from, from them or you cast them out of the church. If we keep the agents of Satan inside the church church will eventually go to a collapse you know today you may be worrying you may be wondering about how the churches are flourishing he will allow it for a time to come and when the time comes you will see the power of satan working through individuals in the churches and we need to take care of our church and the churches we see in the city today every church has satan's influence in the church and children of God we need to identify you know as long as we don't minister as long as souls are not getting converted as long as we don't outreach out the community as long as we do anything except other than coming and sitting in the church and enjoy enjoying the church services Satan is okay with that the moment you touch the lives of people moment you make sure people are turning from sin and coming and people are committing their lives to Jesus people are committing their lives for baptism people are getting anointed by the Holy Ghost that's where Satan is at work let's understand what was the doctrine of Balaam quickly numbers chapter 22 to 29 word of God talks about the doctrine of Balaam let's not get into there let's find out what is the doctrine of Balaam Balaam was a prophet in the Old Testament who professed to be able to influence any God all that we need to do if someone wants to get a favor from God, 
they need to go to Balaam's wholesale shop. And he has a shop over there. He's a prophet. And once you go and approach this man, he has an ability to influence any God. You name the God and he can influence the God and get a favor from that God. And Balak, who was a king of Moab, one of the enemies of children of Israel, and he wanted the destruction of Israel. And the way he want, was planning the destruction of Israel, he went and he met Balaam in his shop and he offered him money and asked him to curse Israel. Balaam responded, every time to this king, uh, king of Moab, and Balaam said, every, I took the money from you, but every time I tried to curse Israel, eventually it turned to be a blessing. And Balak thought, probably I would offer him more money. And he offered him more money and said, okay, at least you now go and curse Israel. But Balaam couldn't. Whenever he opened his mouth to curse Israel, eventually it turned out to be a blessing. Children of God were flourishing because the blessing of God was upon him. Balak got disappointed. Balak got really disappointed. Now Balaam was confused because he took money from him and he had no way to curse Israel. But now he thought another idea how Balak can destroy Israel. So Balaam taught Balak another idea. You know what he told? He said he could put a stumbling block in the form of enticement from the woman of Moab. And these adulterous women, they can seduce the men of Israel and eventually they can commit sexual immorality. And word of God says that worked very well. Word of God says in Numbers 25.9, there are 24,000 Israelites were killed on the same day by God. Can you imagine? Because they had committed such an adultery with the women of Moab, there were 24,000 people, men of Israel, they were killed. Doctrine of Balaam is that if you cannot curse, you corrupt them. If you cannot curse, you corrupt them. You know, this is not at all different from today's strategy of Satan planned against the churches. He tries to bring unbelief in the church, but he found people who are standing faithfully for God. He tried to bring persecution in the church, but in the, in the midst of persecution, they were standing faithfully for God. He made them to lose their first love, but in the midst of all, people were coming back to God. But now, he decided to corrupt their minds. And all the immorality and the pleasures of the culture, of this current culture, or the city where live in today, is brought inside the church. And made the church to compromise with the world. You know, sometimes when you walk into the city and get into the church, you get a feel of what's going on in the city. The church is not at all different from what's going on in the city. Spirit of compromise has been one of the greatest ills of the church since the days of Pergamos. Now Pergamum signifies a mixed marriage between the church and the world. A spirit of compromise was there in the church of Pergamos. Now once we begin to involve the culture of a sinful city, take some of the world and put it in the church, 
and mix it up. You know, that's a strategy that Satan is adopting today. Today's churches are not at all different from the little church they had in the city of Pergamum. As I said, we see the culture of the city in the church today. Most of the time in the city, the Sunday church services are becoming one of the weekend socio-cultural activities of the city. People go there in the evening, but morning people come there to the church. They experience both being the same. That's why we talk about church compromising today with the world. You know, today the church thinks most of the time by allowing the, some of the pleasures of the world into the church is not a sin. If we don't do that, how do we entertain teens? We want teens to come into this church. But our church, you know, they are focusing upon teen by relaxing their rules so that teen can come into the church. They should feel not different from sitting in the social club. They can wear anything they want. They can all that we need for teen to come inside the church. Church is not considered as another social gathering, whereas today in the cities, church is considered as another social gathering to greet and to meet friends, to celebrate birthdays, celebrate baby showers, cake parties, even ice cream parties. You know, all these things are brought into the churches today. People come and go unchanged. None of the preachings and none of the activities in the churches really touch their lives. Nothing happens. Day-to-day -day activities will continue to go on. But lives are not touched. Lives are not changed. You know, churches are not a place to socialize. You know, when people turn the churches towards, into a social activity, we tend to compromise with the world. And Satan brings all his wickedness into the church. Instead, God is asking the churches to be fasting and praying for the souls that are lost. And evangelizing and to reach out the community that is in need. And God looks at the church today and he tells the same thing that he told 2,000 years ago to the church of Pergamos. You lived faithfully in your circumstances. You were convicted to your faith and you had enough courage to stand for your faith. But you compromised your faith in me. You compromised your faith in me. Finally he says in verse 15, God has another thing to tell to the church of Pergamos. You also, you also hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Who are these Nicolaitans? The root word Nicolaitans comes from the Greek. Nikao means to conquer. And Laos which means people. A good translation of Nicolaitans may be those who prevail or conquer over people. Now their teachings, the teachings of the Nicolaitans, they pervert grace and replace liberty with license. They pervert grace and replace liberty with license. It means the doctrine of Nicolaitans appear to be you know, something like the antinomianism. What is called antinomianism. A belief that is based upon 
recognition of the mercy of God as the ground of salvation. People understand I get saved because of the mercy of God. That's fine. But it makes a fatal mistake that man can freely partake in sin because the law of God is no more binding. God is merciful. He saves me. And God is also merciful so that I can continue to remain in sin because law is not binding anymore. God has given freedom. Christ has brought that freedom for me to live today. It makes that mistake. That was the doctrine of Nicolaitans. The doctrine of Nicolaitans teaches that the deeds of the flesh has no influence on the spiritual condition of the soul. That's what the Nicolaitan does. It says the deeds of our flesh has no bothering, no control, no effect on the status of our soul. So people are free to take part and continue to remain living in their sinful deeds. You know, this kind of preaching is coming into the churches today. Today the doctrine of Nicolaitan has entered into the churches saying, If we believe in Christ, we are saved. All that we need to do is in order to be saved, we need to believe in Christ. We believe in Christ and we are saved and the freedom we have in Christ allows us to continually remain in sin and still be saved. And still be saved as the work of flesh has no influence on the condition of the soul. You know, this was the doctrine of Nicolaitans. They were living for God. They had such a great faith in God. And they had such a great conviction and courage in God. But in the midst of all those things, they allowed such a doctrines to enter into their church. A church that has compromised appears to be a church. But God has already left those churches. A church that has compromised with the world still continues with all it, its activities. But Spirit of God already left those churches. Don't you see those churches today in the cities? They come and go. They appear to be a church. There is so much of worship is going on in the churches. But Spirit of God has already departed from those churches. A church that has compromised with the world still operates not by men and women who are anointed by God but the representatives and agents of Satan himself. Miracles and healings may taking place in the churches that are compromised with the world today. Not by the power of God but by the power and influence of Satan. And today God is talking to us. And you know what he said to the church of Pergamos at the end of it in verse 17. Or in verse 16, repent. Or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. She was making it very clear. Roman governments, the officials had, had authority to execute people. And here Spirit of God was telling, if you continue to remain in, an, in a compromised way with the world... I am going to clean up this mess that we are dealing with by the sword of my mouth. You know, today all that God is teaching us, as we get into this topic of compromise, it is not new to the churches today. Church of Pergamos has gone through it. And God was so disappointed over the church of Pergamos. Same God is disappointed even today. As the churches allow themselves to deal with the world, in an ungodly way. Shall we close our eyes. And ask God. Lord. Today. 
I am the church. I am the body. I am the temple of God. My body is the temple of God. Do I have agents of Satan living within me? Do I allow agents of Satan living in me? Lord, I know my weaknesses. And I know for sure Satan has deployed a strategy built, custom built, based on my weaknesses. God is talking to every one of us this morning. As I was preparing the sermon, he was talking to me. He was helping me to identify my weaknesses. And I, he was helping me to identify my weaknesses are being used as a weapon in the hands of Satan. Today, I believe it is true for every one of us. Some of our weaknesses and struggles that we are dealing with, Satan has overpowered in those areas. Satan has overpowered in those areas. Yesterday, one brother was holding my hands and tears telling me, I believe, I know that I am bound. I need deliverance. Can I come and meet and pray with you? I need deliverance. I need deliverance from what I am going through. I experienced satanic strongholds in my life. They have crept into my heart, into my life, through some of the weaknesses I was dealing with. This morning God is talking to you and me. Satan has already entered, already placed a stronghold in our minds, in our hearts. And Spirit of God wants us to deliver, wants to deliver us this morning. Whoever is listening to these words, I just want to tell you, Satan has already influenced our lives and he has placed his strongholds. Any moment he has come in, he can come in because he has his authority over us as long as we have given room to him. And this morning God is speaking to us and he is telling us, God would like to clean up that mess in our lives as we are handling, struggling to handle with. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. As we understand the Nicolaitans, and the doctrine of Balaam's in our lives. As we remove those things from our lives and yield our lives to godly things, to the truth of the word of God, this morning God can set us free. As he sets every one of us free, the church will be free indeed. The church will have the freedom to serve God. The church will not have agents of Satan living with them. The church will have freedom to serve God Almighty. This morning, that is the desire of God's heart to set us free from all the compromises that we are making with this world. Let's not allow this world to corrupt our mind. Let's not allow the world to corrupt our churches today. The moment we find the agents of Satan operating within our churches, God is asking us to throw them out. God is asking us to move, move away from them. This morning, let's not give room to Satan and his influence in our lives. Hallelujah. Precious Heavenly Father, this morning, Father God, you have spoken to each and every one of us, those who are hearing this word. Lord God, you have spoken to our lives, O God. You have spoken to our churches, O God, this morning. Father, at times, Lord, we think that it is okay to have a little bit of world mixed up with the church. But today morning, Lord, you are telling us it is not just the world mixing up with the church. It is the influence of Satan being brought into the churches. And Satan's objective is to destroy our soul and to destroy the work of God as we live on this earth. This morning, Father, you have spoken to us with 
very clearly father god help us lord to keep away from such activities of satan in this world today lord lord keep our churches safe lord from the influence and attack of the enemy help our congregation not to give room not to yield our hearts to the work of satan lord so that we may invite satan into our congregation into our church father this morning i pray that you would give us such a grace lord because always help us to remember the one who is holding the two edged sword is right standing at the doorstep in order to bring judgment to the church of god as the word says the god judgment of god is going to begin at the church at the temple of god father god make every one of us accountable oh father god this morning father continue to help us to deal with this topic continue to speak to us send your children with your peace in jesus name amen amen